Welcome to How to Split a Toaster, a divorce podcast about saving your relationships from True Story FM. Today, how to be a parent and a feminist toaster. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm Seth Nelson. And as always, I'm here with my good friend, Pete Wright. Today on the show, we welcome Professor Jordan Shapiro to the toaster. Jordan is a professor at Temple University, a senior fellow for the Joan Gans Cooney Center at Sesame Workshop, and a non-resident fellow in the Center for Universal Education at the Brookings Institution. He's the author of two books, The New Childhood, Raising Kids to Thrive in a Connected World, and his newest book, Father Figure, How to Be a Feminist Dad, a new take on, quote, dad psychology that challenges our assumptions of traditional parenting roles. He's here today to explore some of these ideas through the lens of divorced parents. Jordan, welcome to the toaster. Thank you so much. It's 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 great to be here. Although I'm not, you know, we're we're in the age of Zoom, so I'm not anywhere. I'm I'm home in Philadelphia. You might hear thunder behind me, but I I'd suggest that what the listeners should do if they hear the thunder is imagine like I'm either in heaven or like that scene in like um, Lord of the Rings where it's just constant you know thunder and lightning behind me yeah it'll be real really mythical imagine me like i'm totally if you could time the most important (laughs) things you say to the thunder that would be amazing let's see if we can nail that look i'll do my best i'll do my best (laughs) i i have to say there are a lot of of great uh things uh, that you're doing right now in that introduction but uh as a, a university professor myself i have to say the the highest accolade that you have is your ranking of four and a half on ratemyprofessors.com. And people are calling you really nice things about your day job. So congratulations on being a classroom rock star, Professor <laughs> Shapiro. That's hard to do. You know, I, I was I was a little disappointed when they took off the chili pepper because I, you know, not that I ever got one. I mean, but, but, but it was my goal. <laughs> uh, let's let's start before we dig into some of the divorce stuff. Uh, let's uh, I'd like to for you to give us a little bit of a setup on this book, uh, you know, a little background on um, what it is that got you to write Father figure and, um, uh, you know, how your research led you to, to the latest. Yeah. I mean, what got me to write father figure? It's a, it's, I mean, that's a really, a, a really big question, right? There's a lot of things. I mean, any, any book like this, which is so personal, um, in some ways, uh, um, um, there's a lot of different threads that come together in order to make it happen. Um, and in, th- and in this case, I always did want to write a book about feminism for men. I thought that was an important thing that should happen. I had no idea, even though that was something I imagined for a while, that it would come out as a fatherhood book. That was a happy surprise. You know, I think I decided to write a fatherhood book because when I was promoting the new childhood, it became very clear that there were a lot of... um, presumptions about father about what it meant to be a father that made me uncomfortable i'll give you an example right most of the people who write about parenting who are men you're supposed to do it as like a doctor or a psychiatrist and you don't talk about your own family you keep a you know this 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 nonsense distance where you pretend that i'm only speaking as a clinician um um, where where mothering books you know it's by a mother it's sort of the expectation is that it's going to be memoir mixed with 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 research so once i realized that 
let's just people, jump right into stereotypes yeah, exactly. of what we think people should be doing. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a- absolutely. And so, and so I, I didn't like it. I didn't. And, and so I wanted to write what, what's in this fatherhood that makes people assume that I fit or don't fit that, that mold as I traveled around and, uh, and, 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 and met people and, and had them respond. The reason it became how ha- uh, father figure out to be a feminist dad is really, I thought we were living at a time, you know, if, if you look at what's going on all over the world, not just the U.S., uh, um, in, in, uh, politically and culturally, is is the way we are thinking about gender and uh, is starting to change. And I realized that there was a lot of men who didn't really know how to imagine themselves outside the old uh, models of like patriarchal dominance and what we were oh, getting because they Jordan, couldn't have- Jordan, yeah. let me. I was waiting for you to say patriarchy. I've been like waiting for you to use that word because I've got a great story about it. Okay. You have this whole thoughtful thing about why you wrote this book, which I really do appreciate. But as you may know, when kids these days get their wisdom teeth pulled, they video themselves when they're coming out from the anesthesia because it's hilarious. And they post them on on whatever social media that they're using. So this is yeah. a thing where the friends in high school will say, hey, are you going to videotape yourself or have your parent videotape yourself? And it's hilarious. Why am I mentioning this? Because my I'm wa- son... I'm waiting to find out. <laughs> my son did that when he had his wisdom teeth pulled recently. And he comes out just bashing patriarchy your do you son? know about patriarchy it's so bad my son <laughs> did this when he was because he was taking uh uh ap world history with an amazing teacher who was talking about all these issues he he really understood them and got fascinated with them and would look for areas in the world where it was happening and we would discuss it all the time and that's how he came out so i'm convinced he's going to write a comedy routine about this yeah. Yeah. which gave no thought since it was coming out from anesthesia, where you have a very <laughs> thoughtful reason on why you wrote this book. <laughs> yeah, but, you, you know, basically I wrote the book because I thought we all needed anesthesia while we dealt with patriarchy because it's so painful. How's that? That's right? kind of what it feels like. Yeah, <laughs> like like you could have written the book in 1972, but nobody would have read it. Like that's, you know, uh, that that I think is... is uh, there's some fascinating things in in there. First of all, I think you're you're right. The the book is is absolutely of its time, and and it challenges a lot of things. I think, uh, and I'm I'm only going to speak for me, but Seth, feel free to jump in. Don't let me be out here on this limb alone. I uh, thanks. You know it, <laughs> the, what really hit me is about these the the masks that we wear. I want to talk a little bit about the masks because um, that that leads to to some of my thoughts on the the separation process. Uh, the, this idea that we uh, we put these masks on as and and for me they feel very much like an armor right they're protective they are they're this this thing that I get to be without having to be judged at my very core and as a parent I often need these you know and I, I think you hear this like uh, you know oh the kids uh, other kids want you to go do something reckless you can't do it go ahead and blame it on me right you can use that as a tool uh, and and blame it on me well I just sent my 19 year old for the first time off to college she did her freshman year at home and now she's off to college and I was 
wholly unprepared for the emotional Mack truck that drove over me this weekend. Like it was <laughs> it was disastrous. And I I'm I am sitting here fighting between needing to demonstrate who I am to my daughter and demonstrate that, yes, this grief, I'm going to miss you, and also being a tough guy, right? Being a guy who who fits. That's the, the mask, right? We're not talking about the mask, not the mask to cover up for COVID, right? Let's be very clear on the right, mask no, that we're no. wearing here. <laughs> we're talking about, like, at, you know, the the internal struggle that, and, and even I feel myself as somebody who thinks about these things, about taking off the mask and demonstrating to the people closest to me who I really am. And if I'm struggling with it, I have to imagine I am not alone. Unless I'm alone. You're, it's only <laughs> it, it's only you, Pete. everyone else in the world (laughs) i mean yeah absolutely i mean we're we're all struggling with it and i guess the 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 idea i i i get to the idea of talking about masks um um really because i'm talking about the psychological idea of persona which literally means mask in 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 I don't remember if it's Latin or Greek, but but uh, but it literally it literally means means mask. Um, and and so, um, but but I like the armor example you gave. I mean, that's sort of a great one because if you look at if you read say the Iliad, um, what you see is that every time someone a, a warrior beats another warrior, they take their armor and they wear it as if like I've taken your identity. I haven't just taken your. I haven't just beaten you. I have to now show up as you. I incorporate a part of you into me and I perform that. Right. So when I, when you're talking about it in terms of gender, this is a pretty normal thing. It comes from Judith Butler, this idea that gender is performed, right? We learn all these things that we're supposed to do. Uh, we learn the things that are associated with manliness, like tough man, right? And then we perform them regularly to show that we are that identity. And so that's what I'm talking about. But it's not only bad things that are masks. I mean, a lot of people will go, you know, I want to show the real me. I don't know that it's possible to not be uh, performing something, right? Because even, you know, you you could go to a, a weekend masculinity retreat or a spiritual retreat or yoga retreat or any, and you're going to have this whole thing where you then have to like wear the mask of the, of authenticity, where you have to like pro, pro, prove to everyone that you're authentic. I'm so pure. <laughs> I was talking to my cousin who's PhD in communication. She says, we're always performing. That is what communication is at its essence is a performance, whether it's for ourselves or others. So absolutely, and it's just what role are you playing? Well, and that's that's what I'm getting at is is learning right that practice skill of learning when I'm performing to stereotype or performing for communication. Yeah, so there's so there's two different. I mean, there's probably more than two, but the two main the two primary ways of talking about this in either either sociology or psychology um, are, are are either that we are only our performance, right? So that our entire identity is just a combination of lots of performances and the feedback we receive from those performances in a sort of loop where I decide who I am in a combination of I try different, you know, I try an improv and I see how the audience responds. And if I like it, that becomes a bit I do over and over and over again. And there's nothing but performance. And then there, then and then there's another side which believes there's some kind of essential, unique, authentic self. And and we use the performance to both 
express what that is and also to hide part of it, right? So, so we're both, it's both armor that protects us from getting too vulnerable, but it's also the way we do authentically express who we, who we are. I don't know that I have the answer for which one of those they are. And I don't think it makes really, to me, when I was writing father figure, it didn't make any difference, right? To me, both, both of them are the same. Um, we don't have to solve that problem right now, but in e- either case, we have to acknowledge that a great deal of what we do is a, is a choice conscious or unconscious, but a choice to be certain ways and not something essential. And that's what I'm trying to express. Let's in the talk book. about that for a moment. Like this kind of works both ways though, right? Like you have a couple that are married and have taken on certain responsibilities in the household, including raising children. Mm-hmm. Now, then they split up and now that child is going back and forth. But initially, both parents now have all the responsibilities. When, it, when you're parent on duty, that child's with you. You've got to make sure lunch is made. You have to be the one to take them to their extracurricular activities. You've got to pick up the dead cockroach. You've got to make sure they get to bed on time and do all the child rearing when they're with you and still maintain your role as a parent. And if you are a guy, and I'm going to use the stereotypes that Pete and I work hard to avoid, but this is the conversation we're having today, and you've never learned how to do your daughter's hair into pigtails, you're learning, right? That's not Thank on goodness you. goodness for yeah, YouTube. Right. Aren't you excited there's YouTube, right? Imagine if you had to do it before YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> but, but don't both parents ultimately, when they split and the child goes back and forth, have to play both roles, even if it was just typical 1950 stereotypes? I mean, I think that I think it's true in terms of the practical kind of things that you talked about. My guess is, I mean, I know this is true with my own kids, but my guess is that this is true across the board, although I haven't done any research to back it up. So take it with a grain of salt. Is that there's still other, there still is some distinct you know kids are very good at, at at what's called code switching right so they start to learn not just the different rules in the different houses and the different attitudes but my guess is they still expect different parents to do different things I know for example that my kids wait until they're at their mom's to do their math homework right because they just don't think I'm good at helping them right so so they still do some level but they're doing that themselves I'm not playing. A, the full role of sort of emotional support. Um, 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 she's doing some of that and doing it in different and doing it in different ways than me. So, so, but yes, I think absolutely in terms of things like laundry, in terms of things like cooking, in terms of, although, you know, th- th- I'm, I'm sure you, you've talked about this on the show before. There's, there's, there's a lot of research that, and I, and I can also speak about it anecdotally that, that shows that a lot of the typical gendered things still, even after divorce, uh, stay separate. So, for example, uh, you know, wives still end up responsible for most of the organization of pediatric appointments and dentists. Um, um, you know, I, yeah, I think I'm pretty good at that as a, as a, as an ex-husband at, at trying to take it on. But I will say for the first few years of my divorce, my ex had to, had to text me and go, they need a dentist appointment. Will you please organize it? Which while I still organized it, she had to do this, uh, the, the mental labor of remembering it was time. Right. Oh, absolutely. Um, and- absolutely. And also, I, I mean, in my own experience, my former spouse and I, we cut a couple deals, which I thought were brilliant. <laughs> Anything dealing with a school project that in, required arts and crafts and a trip to Michael's, 
was on me. Okay. I handled all that stuff, but when, and we just kind of fell into this routine and I, I, I called her one day. I said, look, we were actually hanging out at, at when he was presenting it at school. And, and I said, you know, I've been doing these projects, which I love doing. I'm not, I'm not complaining here. I just said, I want to kind of cut a deal with you. And she's looking at me like I'm crazy. And we're very <laughs> close, right, Jordan? But she's like, what? I said, I'll continue to do all these projects, but you're responsible for the college essays. Uh, and she's like, deal. And I could not tell you how excited I was when the last project ended. I was like, <laughs> I am paid up, right? But we fall into these roles of, okay, this parent might be better at this, like your math homework example, right? Um, but that still is a struggle with parents who are divorced if they don't have like the deal that I made, so to speak, but also because he fought for 50-50 time sharing and he can't even schedule the appointment. Those are the calls the divorce lawyer gets. Well, it sounds like you did, you did, you handled this in a perfect example of how it should go down, which is a way that you really, you really uh, uh, acknowledge the value of all the things. I mean, the trouble isn't so much that one parent and ends up responsible for it. It's when those things, when the value is not acknowledged, right? So when someone forget when, when the doctor's appointment being a great example, when you just sort of forget that that's work, right? Driving to the doctor is work and you expect someone's going to do it and that it takes time. And as long as you're forthright, I mean, I don't even, you know, I wouldn't care if we still had just back to the gender thing. Cause that's what father figures about. I wouldn't care if things were still like mom did all the laundry and the kid had taken, as long as that was acknowledged as a, a, a thing of value that that w- that that was balanced and not just something that is expected and therefore and therefore and, not. And the takeaway on that is, say thank you. Yeah. Well, say thank you your... and do your part. Right. 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 If, if, if right. they do all of one thing, you got to do all of one thing also. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But just acknowledging your former spouse and saying, "I really appreciate a quick text." I really appreciate you handling the dentist appointment or I know they were sick today and we were both jammed up at work and I couldn't leave. I really appreciate that you did that. That just speaks volumes and just paves the way for better communication, better co-parenting down the road. And Absolutely. it's really easy to do. Um, but you got to get your ego out of the way, which Pete, you and I talk about a lot, right? <laughs> yeah. You got to remember to do it. You got to use your thumbs for good, not for bad, right? When you're texting. So it, it, there, there's some steps there, but it makes a huge difference. Yeah, yeah, I, absolutely. And, you know, I, I again, real, uh, I, I just think it's important to consider time things. I, I know so many divorced parents who I hear one complain, you know, the other one thinks they're doing their part because they pay for half the clothes, but... But, you know, the, the first, the first parent still has to go do all the, all the purchasing and all the noticing and all the, right. And, and that takes a lot more time, the trying on the, 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 the than just writing, writing the check. Jordan, so, so really, I want to let everyone know, we did not speak before this podcast because <laughs> you're setting up another deal that I had. Okay. <laughs> when my kid was little, I used to do all the back to school shopping. Yeah. All the clothes for, like, and I would literally get stuff and say, Hey, you know, can we drop this off? We have all the shopping done. That was closed. My former spouse would always handle the supply list. And that's just the role we fell into. Like, oh, I would like that one because I, I hate the supply list. I'm so angry at the supply list. Yeah, that's the supply list is the thing that makes me want to turn over a table. Like, that's the kind of rage. 
I stopped the supply list this year. And what I did instead was, and, and this it speaks to my privilege, but, uh, but I'll still, I have four kids in the house because I have, I have my, my, my new spouse's t- kids as well as my two. And, uh, and I just decided to set up a supply closet, like an office <laughs> building. I was like, I was like, I was like, I'm going to go buy a case of notebooks, a case of composition pads, a bunch of pens. I put them in the closet and I told the kids, take what you want. Cause I don't believe those teachers lists. I think they <laughs> sit down like, and then they don't use half of them. So I'm like, anything you because need, you go in the that's closet. That's what teachers have time to do. Let's come up with a fake list of supplies to piss Jordan off. No, no, I don't right? think they come up. I think, I think it's because they're so overworked. I'm not trying to pick on teachers here. I think they sit down the week before and they're like, let me quickly come up with a list of supplies of everything. And I think there's things on those supplies. Like I have this idea about doing a collage project. So I'm going to get all the supplies and then they try it. The kids don't like it. So instead I'm like, I'm going to just have this closet. You guys take what you need. If you need something that's not in the closet, let me know. Uh, I'll get it. But we're not going down that list and buying it. Plus, I like the idea that they can that they can like reimagine work habits. Like if they decide they want to like not use composition books and use spiral notebooks, they could just stop halfway through the they're not like tied to whatever the, the to the binder. They don't even have trapper keepers these days. So like binders are not like they're missing out. And, and Pete, it turns out that Jordan started staples. Okay. <laughs> I, just, I was just wondering when all four kids are gone, do you just start pricing everything in that closet and let the neighbors come by? Like it, it just start shopping. Your oh my out? God. I'm telling you, I spent, no, I spent less oh, money sure. this year because I did it that way. Yeah. That's Oh yeah, because you know you could buy a notebook for they're like fifty cents if you buy if you buy a case. <laughs> but if I have to go and be like everyone needs three notebooks that each have three subjects, and then they need a folder with three. I'm, and then I ask the kids, they're like, we never used any yeah, of that, right? <laughs> well, this gets to <laughs> allow me to pivot from from <laughs> our, from that our one, office uh, <laughs> depot discourse here. I I want to talk more about the the. Don't even get me started on. A graphing calculators, right? <laughs> I don't even two hundred and fifty dollar calculator to do things you can this has do been on a your surprisingly phone. triggering <laughs> conversation so far. I'm very excited about it. Uh, I want to talk about about the act of divorce and what it triggers in both people because you're talking about um, you're talking about you know what the roles that you fall into. I mean, I do all the laundry in in our house because my wife is objectively bad at it, but. I don't go grocery shopping. It's torture. I can't stand it. She loves it. So again, rolls. I think she's fake. I think she's faking. <laughs> I mean, they, I don't see how you could be bad at laundry. It's like you put don't, it in, you press a button. Don't right now, Jordan. Don't. You're gonna. I think the color is fading from my face. Don't even with this. Yes. Look, I I feel like you know I, I was thinking about it as I was looking through this joke. Does she turn every? Does she turn your underwear pink or something, you, or is it just okay, like? See, I'm trying to be quiet is, here. He's Jordan, bringing up and, Seth. And why is he trolling me like trap. this, Seth? <laughs> I know. I'm going to defend you right now, Pete. When I was married, I did all the laundry, and my former spouse would even say I do a better job because the way I would fold it, and I was I'm really the hell it, out of my right? laundry. But here's the like deal. it's folded. Perfect. Here's yeah. the deal. She would walk by on a Saturday and say, what are you doing? And she's doing all these chores around the house. I said, I'm doing laundry. <laughs> and she's like, you're watching the college football game. I said, in the dryer, another one in the washer. I'm about to fold. She's like, laundry is a scam. 
you picked being good at a scam chore. <laughs> Wait and a I minute. Was like, you are not defending me right now. Would you stop being on my side? No, I know. I started out like I was going to. I, I started all out. Right. But it's such a truth. It's so true. It's <laughs> multitasking. It's multitasking. That's all you say. Same thing. I'm doing two chores right. right now. Watching the football yes. game and lunch. And I'm staying out of your way. That's like a third one. <laughs> I, 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 I want to talk about these, the, the triggering roles though, because I started thinking about this idea of like, what, what would come of me if I, if I were separated and I have to imagine I would, I would put on the mask of armor around things like grocery shopping. It would trigger some, uh, I, I can just feel it in myself that it would trigger some new behavior, whatever you want to call it. You know, I was, I was, uh, I was laughing when I was reading an interview with you talking about alphas, uh, Jordan. I was, I was like, if you look around the room and you don't see the alpha, does that mean you're it? Like, can you do that? Okay. Like, I know that's a joke, <laughs> but it's one of those stereotypes that needs questioning. And when you separate, does that? How does that trigger the change in behavior uh, that you would have? And I think that's that's interesting for both perspectives, both from uh, Seth, from your perspective of being an attorney and the calls you get, and Jordan, from this idea of um, what you are trying to manifest for your kids as the new separated dad. What are the new stereotypes you got to look out for, like taking on naturally that you might not even be thinking about? Yeah, I mean that's a that's that's a that's such a you're welcome. <laughs> well, I, I have a dear friend who's uh, he's divorced and he we talk about this show all the time because he's super curious about what we're doing here and he uh, he called me uh, not long ago and he said I just spent like eight hundred dollars on Christmas gifts for next Christmas for next Christmas and. I, it was only after they started arriving from Amazon that I realized I've fallen into a trap. I've fallen into my own worst divorce stereotype trap, and I'm trying to buy allegiance from my kids because I don't know how else to do it. That's the impetus for this question, right? It's that the unconsciousness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that first of all, I like that example is is really making me think because well, I, I actually had the opposite problem. Um, at, when, when I was first divorced, which was, I wanted to buy things for my kids. And, and, and then also, uh, you know, because of what I do for a living, I have a lot of access to travel. I get invited to things that other people are paying for all the time. And I was like terrified that my ex would think I was trying to buy their allegiance <laughs> when I, when like, it wasn't even my goal. I was just like, I have these things. I have the ability to give this to my kids. I want to, right. I wasn't trying to, you know, I've got a school supply closet. Exactly. Yeah. I have a school supply. Um, but yeah, I think there's that. I think there's also, I think these days there's the, the, the big effort to not become the, the playboy bachelor pad, uh, 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 dad, which I think, which I think was the, the previous image of the divorced dad, right? The like 1970s swinger divorce, I guess not a swinger. If you're divorced, you're just a, I don't know. I don't know what we, what we, what we call the, the, the sort of, the, the, the sort of 1970s play playboy, uh, version of the divorced dad. But I think a lot of dads who try not to. To be that now and then they and then it becomes they overkill well, i've got a couple questions here on this i think one thing is pete because you mentioned this your friend in that example of buying the gifts at some level clicking on amazon was unconscious and then the packages arrived and it's like whoa now it's in my conscience so there's stuff that we all do that we don't even realize that we're doing and then there's things that we actually notice and we have choices 
to make, right? Um, so, Jordan, how is that when there are choices to make? And along with that, how do you then communicate that to your former spouse? Like, maybe you do step in and you're trying to do the right thing and you schedule the dental appointment and you've done everything right. You thought about that the kids need a dentist appointment. You scheduled it on your time. So you have to leave work. Your former spouse doesn't have to do anything. And then you get hit with, he didn't even tell me he was scheduling the dentist appointment. (laughs) I've always taken them to the dentist. What? He's super dad now? (laughs) You get the worst calls, man. It was all good intentions. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I mean, seriously. And they're all for my former spouse. Let me tell you. (laughs) No. (laughs) No, but the, the point of that is, is that was all good intention, but you lack the most important one is good communication. And it Absolutely. starts with the text. Hey, I was thinking maybe the kids need dental appointments. Do you want me to handle it and schedule it and take them? And if so, do you want me to clear the date so you can be there too? If you start with that text, I never get that call on the back end. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the bottom line to all of these things, I mean, I feel feel like I'm going to like, I'm going to be like the bottom line for everything you ever talk about on your podcast is. (laughs) Let us know. We've been trying to figure that out. (laughs) The bottom line is like, if you're divorced and you have kids, you are stuck with your ex forever. You are in a relationship with that ex forever. And the best thing you can do is to treat each other with as much respect and dignity you can so that it's a happy relationship. Like to me, that's the, that's the bottom line. I get along great, great with my ex. Yeah. We have these moments where I do something and she says, and she says, Hey, you were, you know, that's terrible. Or why did, why are you doing it that way? Or yeah. And I go, all right, let me think about it. I'm sorry. Like, I want to get along. I'm going to be stuck with you for a really long time. Thank God it's not in the same house anymore. It's only a, through text message, but it's forever, right? <laughs> so but sometimes so, it's even it's harder, right? Sometimes it's harder to communicate with the former spouse than with the current spouse because the current spouse, if things are going well, even when it has the rough patch, you're still kind of in it together, right? And I think people lose sight that when you're raising a kid, whether you're in the same house or not, you're still in it together. Exactly. Right? It doesn't feel that way. People don't necessarily behave or act that way and we take on different roles and we have trying to be a feminist dad and i want you to explain what that actually means to people because we haven't even touched on that um but (laughs) But we're having so much fun it's fine (laughs) right (laughs) no i'll give you uh, how about the selfish answer how about the selfish answer i i i approach my my ex in all of these kinds of communication questions with the mindset that i am always going to say yes if i can Right. Uh, You know, unless I can't, I say yes. If she wants to change our custody schedule because she wants to, I say yes, unless there's something in the way because I want her to say yes to me whenever I ask. So I, and it might take a thousand times. And it might take it, but I do. I always get that whenever I always say yes, yes, yes. These are the calls I get, Pete. I always say yes, yes, yes. And then I ask for one thing and they say no. Yeah. Well, 
Yeah. You still say yes. <laughs> like, just keep, like, I don't know. I, I, I this is one thing I, I, I see, I see divorced parents like fighting about, like, like, it's got to be exactly 9 a.m. when we do the trade off with kids because that's exact, because that's what it, I'm like, how are, like, just say yes. Yes clears the runway. <laughs> Jordan, I work long and hard to negotiate and draft the 9 a.m. pickup drop off. I know you do. <laughs> I know what, you do. What the fuck, dude? What are you doing now? Okay. <laughs> you should keep no, you want to bash you want to no, bash no, I'll give you a, about I'll give you laundry. a new one that'll take you a few extra hours. I'll give you a new one that'll take you a few extra hours that you could bill for. Okay. <laughs> which is Oh, which, hit the lawyer joke on all we do is bill hours. Here we go. Yeah, no, as, I'm as all we publish for a free podcast. <laughs> yeah, yep, exactly. That's it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, but I think I think you should I think that you should uh you, that you should put a dollar on uh, on you should put a dollar amount on transportation hours uh so that you start to say like you know and it should be even at the end and if it's not the spouse owes the other spouse like when i think about how how many people who are driving to as we said doctor's appointments as if that extra hour back forth is not part of your day if it's going to be even let it be even i think we should i think sports we should practices oh my gosh team sports for crying out loud sports prices you know maybe not for like you know sleepovers at friends houses because those are kind of optional but yeah absolutely great great, <laughs> this is great. more stuff to draft and argue about like you're yeah. welcome Seth. We're do we out. use the irs rate for mileage yes. is that what yes. we're doing yeah I mean, i'm all for that i'm all for it. i and i'm and i'm not, and i'm for that because actually and this is, gets back to the gender thing we know that in most cases more of that transportation and up with the with the woman um you know on on average and the, it doesn't get compensated it doesn't get considered and it doesn't get and it doesn't get valued and 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 while i you know i'm sure that's still true in my marriage even while i'm thinking about these things all the uh, my ex-marriage my former marriage <laughs> even while i'm thinking about all these things all the time and so i do think there's a level of uh, of fairness that has to that has to exist yeah but see, you're just you're you're just open up a can of worms because here's what i would share with people like i know you're going to do all the driving you're always going to be doing the heavy lifting on raising these children that's what you've done and a zebra does not change his stripes he's not going to change on that however that is getting you something that you tell me you want which is more time with your kids and i know it's a pain to do all the driving but that's quality time in the car which is one i think the best time in a car is when the kids are there with their friends because they forget they forget that you're in the car driving. They think it's just going by itself. And you learn a lot of stuff about your kids, right? The other thing about that is right when you make that an issue, then like, then let's just take your hypothetical. Yeah, you got to pay for her to do the driving. Now he's going to do the driving, but he doesn't really want to spend time with the kids then. So now what's that conflict like? So I think you're opening a can of worms. <laughs> I'm just battling back because these are the things that I see on a daily basis because, you know, Pete, I'm not a professor in the ivory tower, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> but no, let me just say this. This is important because I think it goes back to what, I mean, you just made the case for what Jordan said, which is yes, clears the runways, right? Yes. Yes. I'm going to do all of these things. Yes. And, you know, as a result, I'm, I might get more time in my, in the car, you know, uh, driving around with my kids. Yes. I might like, that's a real thing to take away from this. When you, when you, feel like you're wearing the mask or the armor of conflict when you're gearing up for battle over some argument, 
how important is it to just stop to breathe and reflect on the value of the fight ultimately when really you just have to get them to swim team? Yeah, absolutely. You're, you remind me years of uh, years years ago. I wrote a, a little book. It's now it's now out of print. It was like a video. It was called a video game guide to maximum euphoric bliss, <laughs> something like that. And, and, and right, right, off, right off the top, yeah, exactly. Out of print. <laughs> one, of the, one of the chapters was called "The Game You Play Is the Game That Plays You Back," um, um, and that's uh, that's you know I, where I was thinking. You know, if you go in to play Mortal Kombat, you're gonna feel like you're in. A, a, a fist fight, right? Like if you go, you know. So, so pick what game you want to play because that's the that's the that's that's the spirit land you're going to live in. So, <laughs> uh, you, we're getting close to wrapping up here. And to Seth's point, we haven't let you talk about the feminist uh, dad angle. You want to you want to give us the the um, yeah. Pressy? I know. Well, it's sort of it's sort of weird, right? In a, in a, I'm I'm excited to talk about the feminist dad angle in a podcast that's all about divorce because so often like divorce is like uh is like the opposite right like we see it as the fight between 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 husband and 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 wife so how do you convince a divorced dad to go hey i i need to think about gender dynamics in 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 general um uh I don't know. I don't have the answer. <laughs> no, I mean, I, th- I think to the to the yes clears the w- runway. There's a really important uh, one of my favorite parts of father figure is when I write about something that that I call narcissistic patriarchal authority, um, and, and 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 it's this idea that that we can only imagine our own story, right? That we only, you know, that we all think we're Luke Skywalker, that we all think we're the hero in the story we're living through, which we are, of course, we're the protagonist in our own story, but we forget that all the other people around us are also the protagonist in their own stories, which means in their stories, we might be the evil villain and we might be the mentor and we might be the princess and we might be the troll beneath the footbridge, right? Like we, we are all those things at the same time to somebody else. And 90, I, I would guess a hundred, maybe 99%, hundred percent. I don't know. I, I, this is a pure, like speculative number. So it's not even a real quantifiable thing, but, but my guess is that so many fights that between spouses, between ex spouses, between parents and children, they all come because you're pissed off that they're interrupting the story in which you imagine, imagined yourself as the hero, right? So if we get to divorce. We're still pissed off that you're calling me a bad husband because I did everything I could to be a good husband, right? Well, guess what? Like, you, you know, you can't control what part you play in another person story we're all just living living in these colliding myths and these colliding fairy tales and we're always upset to discover that it's not you know that we're not what we thought we were and um in fact we refuse to discover that we're not what we thought we were that's when we put our foot down and go you're wrong but instead i'm i'm in the world where i go sometimes i have to go all right, so I guess I'm the villain right now. How do I fix this? Right, <laughs> right, and not be upset to discover I'm not the hero. Oh, I love that metaphor so much. Like, if you, as you're going through your divorce, you stop and think, who am I in your story right now? Like, who am I in the story of my attorney right now? Like, am I, <laughs> you know, uh, best client ever? He always thinks he's Yoda. <laughs> and I, I, and, 
and, and I don't mean like once you find out, be upset about it or try to change it. Just go, you know, so what does that mean right now? Because often we're just angry, you know, because if we discover we're the Yoda, we might be like, but I don't want to be the Yoda. I want it to be the hero. And then we start screaming where instead we go, okay, I'm the Yoda. So how do I do this with ethics? How do I do this uh, with kindness? How do I do this in a way that's true to myself? That's lovely. How do I pick the right mask for the moment, right? Uh, instead of the mask I wish I could wear. That's a great metaphor. I love the metaphor. And I, I, you just described the, the source of conflict, right? Isn't, isn't that the source of conflict when, you, when you're wearing the mask you wish you could wear in a situation where you should be wearing Yoda? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, maybe you should be wearing Yoda in every situation. <laughs> Probably. That's a bad example. Probably Yoda yeah, in every situation. Sure he wins. Yeah. yeah. Right. And then you're going to be talking yeah, backwards the whole time, and that just gets annoying. The, the right? transcriptionist has real problems with that in court. So I'm, maybe not. Seth, I'm disappointed that you couldn't make that comment in <laughs> Yoda syntax. Try again. Well, I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to like show Pete up because he's the movie boss. <laughs> so triggering for me. I was being <laughs> kind. Okay. <laughs> this is great stuff. I, you know, I feel like we could talk for uh, probably two or three more hours, uh, Professor Shapiro. You're uh, you're aces. Thank you for coming to hang out with us. You want to you want to just plug the book? We've been talking about the book. It's available everywhere. You did the audio book. Where right? I mean, am I get all that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the book is called Father Figure, How to Be a Feminist Dad. The easiest way to find it is to go to feministdadbook.com, feministdadbook.com. I think you have to say things three times for people for to remember. For people to remember, so, yeah. Yeah, so feministdadbook.com. That's Nailed the it. third time. I'm one more just in case. Feminist. <laughs> Do you remember when we used to have answering machines and you had to like say the number like five times, so, like very slow? Those were like, the days. Feministdad.com. <laughs> no, feministdadbook.com. I already screwed it up. Feministdadbook.com. <laughs> anyway, you that. Wait a minute. I'm just a little confused though. You don't still have an answering machine? I don't even use voicemail. You call <laughs> my joking, phone. No, joking. seriously, you call my phone. The voicemail is like, listen, you could text me. You can hit me up on TikTok. You can talk to me on Instagram, Twitter, but don't leave a message because I'm not listening to it. I will it. never listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's but, mine too. It says, I love you. Please text me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just, uh, I never liked it to begin with. Uh, yeah. The, the little, t remember we had, had actual tapes. Yeah. Oh, the tapes. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. All right. Feministdadbook.com. Yeah. Uh, take his class. If you're a student at Temple, take his class. Yes. I mean, I don't know if you can. It fills up pretty quickly. That was, did you see that? That was a, that was a professorial mic drop right there that just happened in case you didn't yeah. catch that <laughs> that's mean, what just happened and it was exactly dope wait what did you say my rating what did you that's say like my four, rating was four and a half stars out of five I and i think the top one oh, is you're yeah. the goat the greatest of all yeah. time i didn't know what that was <laughs> i had to ask my i'd ask my kids i was like it's like what does that mean is that an insult awesome right. Yeah. And it turns out the reason why he wasn't five, because he's not humble, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> right? No, <laughs> no yeah, I'll tell you the truth. I was five for a long time. And here's what happened. I started to read them. I haven't read them in a long time. So I'm going to have to, I'm going to look at them after the, after we're done recording this, but I started to read them and 
and all of them were like, this class is so easy. I, I, I barely had to do it. And I was like, that's not good. So I toughened Nope. Start, start to fall. <laughs> so I toughened up a little grade. bit. I toughened <laughs> up a little bit because I didn't like it. And then, and, but then I read, I read them and, and some of them are like, he's so confusing. I don't even know. There's so much work. I'm like, what? That's just not true. But so, so I do think the funniest things I get and not I'm right, my professor, but when you get the feedback, I love the ones that say, this class was so easy. I don't even like reading. And I did all the reading for this class and all of the homework for this for this class. Uh, you should take it. You barely have to work. <laughs> 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 I'm like, I'm like, mm. but that's why we know that none of those ratings tell you anything. That's right. Because stu- students equate easy with good uh, uh, and not good learning with good. Well, and if you're not careful, then you just you end up doing all the reading and you end up being an attorney, like Seth. Yeah. You didn't yeah. even know, you didn't even want to be an attorney. He, he didn't just, do all, he the just reading. Did all the no, reading. Wait, are you, no, he didn't. The <laughs> lawyers are the ones who did who learned how to talk without doing all the reading. I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> yeah, see? See? <laughs> all right. All right. I got to put a fork in it. You guys, this has been great. Uh, on behalf of the uh, fantastic uh, Professor Jordan Shapiro, author of Father Figure, How to Be a Feminist Dad, and America's Favorite Family Divorce Attorney, that's Seth Nelson right there. I'm Pete Wright. We'll catch you next time right here on How to Split a Toaster, a divorce podcast about saving your relationships. Seth Nelson is an attorney with Nelson Coster Family Law and Mediation with offices in Tampa, Florida. While we may be discussing family law topics, How to Split a Toaster is not intended to, nor is it providing legal advice. Every situation is different. If you have specific questions regarding your situation, please seek your own legal counsel with an attorney licensed to practice law in your jurisdiction. Pete Wright is not an attorney or employee of Nelson Coster. Seth Nelson is licensed to practice law in Florida.